This is Michael Wayne Foster, and I'm listening to today's Boom Baggle. All right, cool, man. And then you want to do one in uh, uh, Sylvester Sloan's voice? <laughs> hey, hey, yo, this is Sylvester Stallion, and uh, I'm listening to today's Boondoggle. Yeah. <laughs> Should we throw Macho Man in there for good measure? Absolutely. Hey, this is the Macho Man, Michael Foster. Yeah, and I'm listening to today's Boondoggle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great, dude. Man, it's you know been... why we're at it. Do you want one more in Russian? Sure, sure. Let's do it. Привет, Bill. This is Michael Wayne Foster, and I'm listening to today's Boondoggle. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle on Domain Cleveland Radio. I just wanted to take a minute in this little intro before the intro to give you an update on some of the things we got going on here at today's boondoggle and uh we recently uh launched a email account so if you have any questions suggestions or comments you're enjoying the show you want to see something different you want to see certain guests on the show you can reach us at today's boondoggle at gmail.com and as you know the coronavirus lockdown has hit a lot of us uh financially um boondoggle didn't escape it either and uh, if you want to support us financially so we can get you uh, these interviews that you enjoy each week, uh, you can donate to our GoFundMe. There's a, you get on GoFundMe, look up today's boondoggle. We got a GoFundMe that will be ongoing. And um, as well as a Venmo, you can donate. If you use Venmo, go to Venmo domain or uh, today's boondoggle. And then also there's our Anchor sponsorship on the Anchor app, anchor.fm. Look up today's boondoggle and you can become a monthly sponsor to us there. Uh, as you know, this is a veteran-owned and operated program we got going on here. It's very, been, man, incredibly therapeutic for a guy like myself who, you know, is a veteran with PTSD and anxiety. And, uh, just gets me out there talking with people and gets me out of my comfort zone. And it's been awesome. But uh, it all costs us, you know, to, the travel, accommodations to, to get to these interviews that you want to hear. So if you can help out anyway, we truly appreciate it. Um, also, please follow us on social media. It's at Today's Boondoggle. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just please follow, subscribe, comment, comment. download the, the episodes. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You know, any of the programs that you use to listen to your podcast, please, please uh, do whatever you can to support us and hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. You got Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran owned and operated entertainment cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news, entertainment information and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for tuning into the show here at Domain Cleveland. What's going on everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle on Domain Cleveland Radio. I'm here once again with... uh, my friend, my cohort, my co-conspirator, Flo White, and uh, got a few things we wanted to touch on today, but uh, first, we're, we've 
we're going to be committed to trying to start with a with a prayer so go ahead and take it away um heavenly father thanks for allowing me and willie here to uh get together and share the information which we hope in the end only focuses towards glorifying you we ask that you lead us into green pastures and restore our souls during all the mayhem that's taking place and we ask that you help us to be overcomers to overcome the obstacles that the evildoers have put in our way amen amen all right, yeah, we want... It was unscripted. It was unscripted. about a, a scripted prayer, but that was unscripted because we just remembered that we should open with Well, prayer. I was thinking, like, <laughs> we should we should record one, and it could be a track yes. that we yeah. put in yeah. every time to open up the show, but then I'm sure. thinking... Then I started thinking about it, and I go, you know what? Normally, when I start something with a prayer, my vision and my, you know, I'm I'm more focused on trying to stay that and I kind of let the spirit speak you know so maybe it's, we should just do one off the rip every time you know yeah because if we throw in a, a track we're just going to get in our stuff and our emotions and everything's going to take over and uh you know but hey we we sent in the track the tracked prayer at the beginning but yeah I think it, I think uh, I think we'll be you know uh it'd be better for us to to get ourselves centered with that prayer every time yeah. when we start. So, uh, I mean, I probably won't be able to do that for every uh, other interview, but whenever we get together and we're trying to share this information that could uh, help waken, you know, uh, give discernment to, to others to start, you know, thinking for themselves or like not being so emotionally attached, like all this chaos we're seeing in our country is based off of fear and emotions. I know fear is an emotion, you know? Yeah. So, um, now that we started with that, I think it's, uh, um, like I said, we're, we, it helps us get more centered. So I'm glad, I, I think that's what we should try and stay committed. Um, intentional was the word I was looking for. Try and be intentional with, starting off with that anyway um we discussed we were talking off off air about um this book i've been reading um you know i I mean we don't really hide our our politics on here it's obvious we're we're uh supporters of our current president donald trump and um you know uh it's just, I don't know. It's just a talk about the eyes to see and maybe we're being deceived, but I don't think we are. I think unfortunately a lot of the chaos that's out there is due to the deception that the mainstream media puts out on, on people. But anyway, I, I ordered this book, Trump, the America we deserve. And, um, I've been reading through it and it came out, it was copywritten in 2000. Uh, 2000, huh? 20 years ago. Now. Yeah, 20 yeah. years ago, this book came out. And he's talking about basically the, you know, he gives, go go through the book and the different chapters are, uh, you know, uh, the first chapter is the business of America is business. And it talks about, you know, why, 
why you know even cover small businesses and why entrepreneurial spirit is uh you know su- such a great thing for growth in I think the country Brian would agree and other people that i've heard in the past talk say people well this is a nation founded on christian principles and things of that nature but uh, I think it can be argued more so it was it was for the entrepreneurial spirit more so in some respects. Yeah, the the dreamers, but the ones that go out to pursue their dream and make their dream a reality. Yeah. You Remember, know? Uh, who was that rapper that was out um, when Obama won? Um, God, I can't think of his name. He's married to Queen Antifa, Queen Latifah. I, I don't know, but uh, uh, there's Jay Z and Beyonce. No, it's not, not out there. He's a lot better than those two, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. I forget his name. I used to listen to him years ago, but he I said had no that, idea uh, who he's married to. He said, "You know, all Obama really is is the president of a corporation like uh, McDonald's or Burger King, and you know, it's a business. It has a fiscal responsibility, and it's got to stay in business and." Jack would call the United States, at least the corporate United States, a municipal service providing entity. Yeah. It's providing services to us. Um, but it's not a government. No. So we're no. all uh, pretty much employees in this corporation. So we have to follow the corporate policy. Yeah. Gotcha. What are some other? Sorry to deviate, but you wanted <laughs> me to comment. So yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good. Uh, so, like, Chapter two of this uh, book is titled Competition, Saving Our Schools the American Way. And he goes into now, like. Now, is that one whole title of a competition, a, Saving Our Schools the American Way? Is yeah. Is the title of that? That's, okay. that's yeah. the second chapter. And when I read through it, it's basically like the, the choice, the school choice yeah. program and stuff. Which how he's been enforcing. He's been, I mean, he's. Yeah. This was 2000. This was written prior to 2000. This right. came out in 2000. This has been. You know, I mean, we'll go through this this book and all the plans are basically what he's trying to enforce and what he's been trying to do. And, you know, this guy hasn't flip flopped. He hasn't, you know, um, but I mean, the the choice when when you have a choice of where you can go to school, say one school is lacking and you want your child to get a better education somewhere else. And they're going to go that other school is going to start picking it up if they want to keep students. You know, you make you make them compete. The education value for our children is going to improve, but you know it talks a little bit about the the fight we have against the teachers' unions. Not necessarily the teachers. He even talks about in the chapter, you know, how he respects teachers for going into that. Well, not to digress job. too much, but the teachers' union, I almost I'll put five dollars down on it. It's the biggest contributor to the Democratic Party. Yeah, and then second of all, if it was true. The photo of the 20 images of mug shots from Antifa. Portland yeah. a month or two ago when the teachers, right, yeah. 13 out of 20 were public school teachers. Yeah. I mean, it's, but uh, let me run through the chapters real quick. And then uh, chapter three, the safe streets we deserve. He talks about law enforcement, uh, law and order, supporting the police, you know, what we need to keep our streets safe. Uh, that's chapter three. Chapter if it four. If keeps going like this, he seems very uh, the polar opposite. And no wonder they're attacking him. They yeah. knew he was. No wonder they didn't like. He. They had yeah. his plan right here. Yeah, they had his plan. They had his ago, plan right, right here right. in this book twenty years ago, and this, now they're doing everything to keep talking. I'm going to go get some it. water in the kitchen over here. But uh, 
chapter four is all about the foreign policy we, we deserve, it's called. And he talks about, um, you know, how American foreign policy and getting being the, the police for the for the world and getting our military involved in every little issue, you know, and losing all the money we lose to like the the uh, NATO and all that stuff. And he taught and he even taught in the chapter about, you know, he said 20 years ago that China was the one we should be most concerned about. And here we are, you know. Uh, chapter five talks about freedom from terrorism, and it touches on not just foreign terrorists coming here, but he talks about domestic terrorism. He talks about hate groups. He talks about, you know, uh, the school shooters yeah. and stuff like that. Speaking of terrorism, mm-hmm. the latest news is that uh, Osama bin Laden's niece uh, is uh, suggesting that Trump's our best choice and to, hope. to keep yeah, yeah. to. F- Keep us safe to fight terrorism. Yep. And chapter six is called An Economic Boom for America, which, you know, it's all about uh, the, you know, what could get us out of debt. One of his biggest things that he pushes in that chapter that I remember is the the tax, uh, rewriting the tax code, what he's been pushing, the new tax codes and everything. And basically the, the ones that would pay the most are the ones that have made the most taxing the rich you know which is crazy because all these protesters are out there you know eat the rich and this and that but they should be behind this guy because he's gonna they're gonna pay the most taxes to pay off our debt you know why the middle class and the working americans will basically everybody's gonna get a fair share at the tax but if you but if anybody thinks about you know nobody's thinking nobody's using their head you know and i don't want to get all upset emotionally because we just prayed but the people in control, the big money people are behind the media. They're behind Hollywood. All these people that are screaming and yelling know that they're going to lose their milk, their gravy train, you know, or they're going to have to pay their it, fair it, share. It makes total sense. And if if we haven't, I know we've talked about this. Yeah. But uh, it makes total sense. Hindsight, you look back, you got six corporations controlling the media, right? Yep. We've talked about this. Okay? Yes. Uh, these six corporations that control 90% of the media, what have they been doing? Smearing. They've been taking his comments and uh, taking them out, out, of, of context. out of context yep. and claiming other things, getting everybody all riled up. Now, you would know, you know by now that these corporations are huge and they're not just one corporation. They're a conglomerate of many smaller corporations. And you have to understand that a lot of these smaller corporations have been the ones that have been selling out the jobs to China that have been giving China the intellectual property and mm-hmm. then have been allowing China to steal the intellectual property and undercut us. So it only makes sense that the media would poise to look us in the other direction at Russia when in the background they've been in cahoots with China. Yep. And, and, and if he wins another four years, that means he gains strength. Yeah, And I believe it when Dave22 and all these other YouTube channels are saying, these people are panicking. Yeah. They're, why would they have to... Uh, yeah, late, that one latest Hillary Clinton rant. Right. You know? and It and, looks like you know, a panic, nervous if the, person. If Trump, if Trump wins the elections, expect there to be more riots. Come on. Yeah. Is that a threat? Like yeah. We, we, you, Vote you, for us or we're going to burn your city. What you the know? F is that? Fucking campaign yeah. slope. Right. So, I mean, it's like it just makes total sense that they would be smearing him because they've got a lot to lose. 
Because when it comes out of the wash, these media companies, these uh, conglomerates of corporations that control the media, you know they control computer companies, you know they control 5G companies, you know they control automotive companies, you know they control all sorts of manufacturing companies. They've been in business with China. They've been selling us out. Yeah. And uh, it was a video. Forget. I'll let you get back to it. Forgive me, but I just want to make, and we've probably talked about this too, how Russia could be a great ally to the U.S. Our history's written with Russia saving our ass a few times. Mm-hmm. I think even during the Civil War. Um, and, um, you know, they're basically a Christian nation, and they've had a lot of issues with China. They've had probably more serious issues with China than they've had with us. I did not know that. Yeah. So they would be a great ally to us, especially yeah. now. But the media wants right. to, you know, the point over here, don't look what's behind the don't, curtain, the right. great Oz. You know, don't look what's behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. All right, let me finish these cha- t- chapter God, titles the real we're quick. Going, we, this is what we're talking about right now. We could just talk about the chapters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, yeah, and we, yeah, we can because there's I mean, some there's, there's some sections in this book I want to read for our, right. our virtual audience, but uh, and and then we'll add too. But uh, chapter seven, you know, I mean, I, it's, I'm just like I'm people before you vote and you want to make an informed decision. I mean, this is I highly recommend reading this book. This is 20 years ago, you know, but. Chapter seven is making social security secure again. The media is trying to say that he's trying to take away social security. He's going to come for your social security. He's going to take it away. He's got a plan in here on how to, how to fund it and secure it, you know, to keep it safe because he, he knows that, you know, it's going to be gone. And like, I think in the book, he said something like by, by 2030, you know, so all these, you know, young kids and Antifa's out there burning and pillaging aren't going to have crap and they're fighting for the guy that's going to take it away because all these politicians have been taken away chapter eight's to our health and he talks about you know uh you know how to fund medicare medicaid you know he doesn't want to take it away he also uh talks about like you know the therapies out there that are available the alternative therapies that he mentions in his you know some of the press briefings that everybody like twists and turns and oh yeah clorox up the ass or whatever you know, uh, how to how to make it so the it's not a big uh, business and they're thinking with the bottom line and not thinking about, you know, human health. Uh, the po- chapter nine is the politics we deserve. And he talks about all the politicians that have been like, selling like, us out like Biden for 47, yeah. 48 years. He's been in politics longer than I've been sell alive. What has he done? Continues to sell out. us out. You know, his sons and his family's benefiting, but not the American people. Uh, chapter 10 talks about volunteering the American way, you know, back when everybody would help each other out. And, you know, you go help your neighbor do this and they'd help you. And, you know, just bringing America back together. You, barn, good old fashioned barn raising again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then chapter 11 is basically, you know, he talks, should I run? You know, he he's putting it out there. For the people. Should I run for president? You know, you've heard my plans. And then, uh, you know, that's it. But, um, I mean, I read through this book. And, you know, I mean, the, st- the introduction starts like this. Let's cut to the chase. Yes, I am considering a run for the presidency of the United States. The reason has nothing to do with vanity, as some have suggested, or merely to block the advancement of other candidates. 
I'll run if I become convinced I can win. Two things are certain at this point, however. I believe non-politicians represent the wave of the future, and if elected, I would make the kind of president America needs in the new millennium. You could see a long way from the top of Trump Tower if you stand here beside me and look one direction. The view is outstanding. Economic growth is hitting 6%. New York is the hottest city on the planet. And this is, like I said, written prior 20 to years two, ago, 20 years ago. When it was, it was the hottest it's city. Like hotter than Hong Kong, hotter than Shanghai, which had a crane on every corner in the early 90s. Our crime rate is way down thanks to Rudy Giuliani. So G- Giuliani was the mayor back then. Right. You know, what a difference 20 years makes looking at de Blasio and that mess that's there now in New York. He's like, I'm uh, having more fun than I yeah, ever wait, had. The trucks, moving trucks parked along streets you can't get through because yeah. people were leaving last week. Those are the reports coming out of New Jersey and New York. And Florida doesn't have enough pods for, for all the to, people that are moving i'm telling you everybody's man, going down to everybody florida everybody huh? is leaving new york yeah yeah it's like a sinking ship and california and then they go to texas to turn it into a commie pink hole you know go ahead i'm sorry finish yeah, what yeah. he said i well i mean you know so i i don't want to read the whole thing but it's like read sure it. sure i've worked hard to get here but i'm also benefiting from the american dream big time as much as anybody ever has i want it to continue my theory of economics doesn't say that for me to do well, you must do badly. Not everyone will be success, but everyone will have an equal chance to achieve it. But to tell the whole truth, I'm worried too. Chances are you agree. With an election coming up next year, there is the usual taking stock of where America stands and where we ought to be directing our energies. There are a lot of opinions out there that bother me. A lot of men running for office who don't seem cut out to be CEO of the USA. A number of these candidates have more than a few shortcomings. <laughs> Our current political system discourages truly capable men and women from seeking public office by forcing politicians to live in a fishbowl. A constant need for office holders to grovel for campaign dollars means the smartest and most able business executives I know would never consider a bid for public office. Take Jack Welch, CEO of General Electric since 1981. To my mind, Welch has all the qualities to be a truly great president. Toughness, incisiveness, honesty, and decisiveness. But a man of this quality will never run as long as our politics remains the special interest cesspool that it has become. I mean, the dude's nailing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Then there are single-issue candidates who are never going to see the big picture. They're <laughs> candidates who've been in politics so long they're not capable of telling you a straight story. One candidate, Pat Buchanan, believes we should reduce our commitments abroad, and I agree. But his startling view that the Western allies should not have stopped Trump is, or stopped, whoops, oh my God. Yeah. A slip, a media slip. slip. Media slip, and yeah. now everybody's going to be about. They should have stopped Trump back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, see, see, the boondoggle, look at what they're reporting. Yeah, we screwed up. But he totally lost it. He's like, Hitler was a monster, and it was essential for the Allies to crush Nazism. To say that Hitler had no malignant intentions toward the United States is beyond belief. 20 years ago, Buchanan was less cautious. He called Hitler an individual of great courage, a soldier soldier, a leader steeped in the history of Europe, and talked about his extraordinary gifts. My grandfather was German, but I am proud of the vital role that the United States played in defeating the Third Reich. 
Buchanan denigrates the memory of those Americans who, who in the Second World War gave their lives in the effort to stop Hitler. So he goes off on, you know, uh, Buchanan for a little bit more about his, I mean, as being one of the politicians that just is so out of touch. And and then there's Vice President Gore, an able, underrated man who seems confused these days. I hear he paid Naomi Naomi Wolf $15,000 to teach him how to be an alpha male. I could have gotten him Lenora Filani for much less. But then she defected to Buchanan. Or consider the record of one of the supposedly brightest stars in the political sky, Bill Bradley. People treat him like he's about to give the updated version of the Sermon on the Mount. Let me tell you this about Bill Bradley. He's a disaster. He experimented with the tax code, and he cost thousands of people their jobs. Now he wants to be president when, in fact, he quit the U.S. Senate because he could not get reelected. Recently, there have been some new names suggested for the presidency, and one of them is mine. Also, Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura, see, this is back in 20 years ago, has strongly encouraged me to run. I highly respect Jesse, not only as a dynamic governor, but also as the embodiment of the political qualities America needs. Given the choice between another slate of stale professionals and Jesse's mixture of basically common-sense principles and straight talk, it is no contest. No contest. He has convinced me that we need the same combination in the in the White House that he brought to Minnesota. Even more persuasive to me are the polls. When the voters who actually plan to request reform party ballots are polled, I do very well. I also note that the Gallup USA Today CNN poll published in October showed that I would run a stronger race against George W. Bush and Al Gore than would Pat Buchanan. Even though he has run for president three times, I'm not, I, and I am not even a candidate. Then he talks about the polls. Running against George Bush and Al Gore, I came in second ahead of the vice president. Nobody ever accused me of modesty, but it's a tremendous honor to have millions of people considering you for high office when you didn't seek it out. And this is the first time my name has come up. In 1988, I was encouraged to seek the presidency. At various other times, I've been asked to run for governor or mayor. There are plenty of signs that the country is looking for a candidate who comes from outside politics. In fact, it's been looking for an outsider for some time. I am definitely a different look. I'm not prepackaged. I'm not plastic. I'm not scripted, and I'm not handled. I tell you what I think. It's quite a departure from the usual office-seeking polls. Maybe the, vo- the voter, voters would find it refreshing. I guarantee you one thing. They'd find it interesting. After two years of George W. Bush, John McCain, Al Gore, and Bill Bradley running for president, the voters will be bored to death. They'll be looking for a candidate who is straight talking, straight shooting, beholden to no one, and has proven that he can actually get things done. I mean, what's that sound like to you? Sounds like he is who he says he is. Yeah. You know? He's been this way 20 years ago when this book was written. Um. I mean, I don't need to read this whole thing. He no, you don't. About, you yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, long. here's the bottom line. Yeah. yeah this seems important. Let's get to the Any meat. political leader who won't face the future head on is putting the American dream at risk. That dream has made this the best country in history. It's the dream my father and mother dreamed. The one they made come true for our family. It's 
the one that took me to the top. When you mess with the American dream, you're on the fighting side of Trump. <laughs> Straight talk. People want fresh answers. We have to look back a very long way to find private citizens speaking out or having major impacts on national affairs. We have to look back to the first days of the Republic to men like Washington, Jefferson, and Franklin who had farms and businesses to run and who came to politics as ordinary citizens. They saw that things were out of control and that some clear thinking was in order. I mean, looking back to the founding fathers, the Declaration of Independence, these were farmers, regular everyday men that wanted to set our country on the right path. And, and he's, he knows about it. He mentioned republic, called it a republic, Republican form of government if we can keep it. Um, let me, all right, let me skip past some of this stuff. My first, re, re, my first reason for writing this book is that the American people want straight talk about politics. Whatever my ultimate decision about actively seeking the presidency, I'd encourage you to take the problems identified in this book and the solutions I propose and compare them with those of your favorite candidate. Keep score. I'm willing to bet that even when I seem most outside the box, I'm going to give you more straightforward, useful ideas than most of the guys getting the press and the interviews. Most politicians use language to conceal what they think or to conceal the fact that they don't think. Many are trained as lawyers and speak to win support rather than to define the truth. I use language to speak my mind. Being blunt hasn't hurt me so far. I've lived my life as I choose, and said what I wanted to say. As you grab them, grab them by the, you know what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, oh my God, this dude is, 20 years ago, he's been the same. You know, he hasn't flip-flopped, and we're, we're fighting for a guy who has sold us out. Why are people in the streets fighting for this person? Well, go, they're not fighting for Biden. Because we know that even if though Biden gets involved, they know they can run. I mean, look at what they've done to the mayor of, you know, Portland. He yeah. put up the sign. They still attacked his house. Same with Seattle. Yeah, or the businesses. You know, or the Black businesses Lives Matter. That, right, that got burnt it doesn't down. matter when the time. It's just like that uh, That priest in, in Germany that wrote that thing. He's like, well, when they came after the Jews, I didn't do anything. And then they came after them, and I didn't do anything. And then I came after them, and then they came for me, and there was nobody, nobody left to left. stop them. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's these people are being strung along like friggin' uh, what's that uh, lemmings to run off the cliff or whatever. Um, but so he talks a little bit about his father and his family briefly he goes in after his dad died. Um, his father passed away. Um, he was the ultimate successful small businessman. He was a great husband for 63 years to my equally incredible mother. That's a record I'll never be equal to. The lessons and gifts he gave his children made us strong, and he developed incredible working relationships throughout his life. He was very down-to-earth man. The day John F. Kennedy Jr. died, I received a note he'd written the day before. It said, Dear Donald, I read over the weekend of your father's passing, and I just wanted to drop you a note. No matter where you are in life, losing a parent changes you. I know you had a close relationship, and I hope you'll get ample time to reflect. He sounds like a fascinating man from what I read in the Times. 
I like that he would go over his various work sites and pick up stray nails and return them to the carpenters. Clearly, he never lost his perspective. My condolences to you and your family. Sincerely, John Kennedy Jr. I mean, he had that written to him when his father passed. And George <laughs> Magazine was still around. Yep. Predicting and they a had lot that, of stuff. Uh, 2020 article, their mm-hmm. predictions on 2020. Yeah, and there's Bill Gates in there too. Yeah, was on there. Kind of weird. Well, I don't know if he, he had the magazine then. How how long ago was it when he died, uh, Junior? It uh, was when what's her name was running for the Senate. Hillary was running for the yeah, Senate. So it was yeah, probably he was like, he was going to announce his his yeah, running it was against probably, her. Probably uh, almost 12 years ago, maybe eight to 12 years ago, probably. Uh, Whenever she was going to run for the Senate. It was right after Clinton's presidency, because she was still going to, you know, mm. it was during the beginning of, of Bush's uh, reign, or Bush Jr. Um, there are going to be readers of this who will ask about Trump's private life. Well, I've lived my life as an open book, and I don't claim to be something I am not. What you see is what you would get. I've never taken drugs of any kind, never had a glass of alcohol, never had a cigarette, Never had a cup of coffee. I've been married twice and I have four wonderful kids. I'm now single and women seem to like me. Does that mean I don't value family relationships? I mean, so obviously it's before Melania and all this stuff. Um, I haven't been as successful in my marriages as my parents were, but marriage is not the only family value that matters. The importance you give to your relationship with your kids is a family value. So is your relationship with your parents your sisters and your brothers, your families, uh, about the foods your family like, the things you do for fun. A lot of people want to say that being monogamous is the only family value. They don't understand that family values means having a context, having a place where you belong, having people who really know you and to whom you're accountable. A guy who was writing an article about me interviewed a few friends and business associates. He told me that The word loyalty kept coming up in these conversations. It's an important concept for me and among the people that I work with. One of the small corruptive forces in politics is the fact that every aide to every politician is hoping to retire on a tell-all book about his experience as an insider. Loyalty counts for very little in Washington. I'd like to see it restored. Loyalty is a version of your love for your family. I feel loyalty not only to my friends, but also to my city and my country. By my definition, one of the family values is patriotism. I mean, who that loves our country when it it doesn't feel, connect with this guy, you know? All right, here's that one section that I, I marked off that we mentioned earlier, the coming heavy weather in bold. It's titled, you know? So kind of like, do we know the storm is coming? You know, we hear a lot about the storm. Um, I believe I have better hunches than most, but my place in the world has also given me better knowledge. My third reason for wanting to speak out is that I see not only incredible prosperity in our future, but also the possibility of economic and social upheaval. Look toward the future, and if you're like me, you'll see storm clouds brewing. Big time trouble. I'm not the only one who sees the storm on the horizon. A lot of people in public life and in private life know that know what may come our way. The politicians may want to think about it, may not want to think about it, but it's there. The first storm, economic disaster. 
I hope I'm wrong, but I think we may be facing an economic crash like we've never seen before, probably sooner rather than later. The next president, or maybe the one we've got, could be in office for a stock market crash worse than the one in 1929. I'm not saying this crash will ruin us, but we have to anticipate it and know how to rebound. We'd better be ready as a nation to claw our way back up. Right now, I'm not seeing the leadership we're going to need. The second storm, terrorism. We need to get past the idea that because we're the only superpower, we're safe. My uncle John Trump was an MIT professor and a brilliant man. He had a clear and compelling view of the future, including a strong belief that one day the United States might be subjected to a terrorist strike that would turn Manhattan into Hiroshima too. I always respected Uncle John, but sometimes found myself wondering if maybe he wasn't exaggerating just a bit. Today, we know that John Trump knew exactly what he was talking about. So what are we doing about this threat? Are we getting tough with people who would wipe us out in a second? Hell no. Look at our policy toward North Korea, an outlaw terrorist state run by a family of certifiable loons. If this if these guys don't scare you, you've been playing too many interactive games. North Korea has an army of goose-stepping maniacs and they're building nuclear bombs while most of the population is starving to death. Think it through. What does it mean when the leadership of a country spends money on weapons instead of food for a starving population? I mean, you can see that here, you know, with these past presidents. Remember, starving populations have toppled more than one regime. If the North Korean rulers are exposing themselves to this kind of risk, you can be sure they're not building these weapons just for the hell of it. They're going to use them if they can. We discovered in this armed building plan a couple of years ago, what do we do? We offered to build the North Korean government two light water nuclear reactors and supply them with heating oil if they'd promise to be good. <laughs> Am I the only one who thinks it might make more sense to disarm the North Korean nuclear threat before it shows up in downtown Seattle or Los Angeles? Already has. Yeah, it has. Yeah. You know, but I mean, he's talking about all yeah. these deals that everybody tries to make being friendly, which is setting us up for failure. Yeah. Hey, hey baby. baby, this is this Double, Double D, D, also known as Dream Daddy. And I gotta tell y'all something about our new sponsorship here at today's Boondoggle. And the name is Dream Nutrition. So if you're looking to empower your human vitality, well then you come to the right place. With over 12 years of combined experience in cannabinoids and terpene products, Dream Nutrition products include CBD oils, patches, protein, and so much more. The endocannabinoid system is believed to have involvement in regulating physiological and cognitive processes, including the immune system, appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and in mediating the pharmacological effects of cannabis. Support this veteran-owned and operated company today, and today's Boondoggle fans will receive 10% off their orders when using the promo code Boondog10 at checkout. That's B-O-O-N-D-O-G-10 at checkout. So go to the link. That's dreamnutrition.com forward slash discount 
forward slash Moondog10. And remember, dream is not spelled like dream daddy. It's spelled D-R-E-E-M. And start saving today because you deserve to feel your best. And you know that's right. So tell them dream daddy and your brand from today's Moondog will send you. I'm going to shoot straight about terrorism and about the foreign threat. I'm going to talk plain about the economy and how to keep the system solid at the core. If we do that, then we can ride out any storm. I'm also going to talk about Social Security. I'm lucky enough not to have to worry about getting a Social Security check, but most Americans do, and they're right to be worried about their futures. I'm also going to talk about the social issues that count to most Americans, especially education, what we need to do to get our schools back in shape. What amazes me about the education debate is that the kids are the last consideration. Their scores drop, their schools are unsafe, and the adults sit around worrying about job security and whether merit pay will hurt the self-esteem of the teachers who don't measure up. My argument is simple. We put the kids first, every time, every way. We like to say that children are our future, but we're not treating them that way. I was reading a story about a kid in an inner city school. He didn't ask for much. He just wanted the doors locked so the punks couldn't come in off the streets and sell their drugs and shoot people who were trying to learn. The kid said he was scared to walk home. This is an American kid I'm talking about, and he's scared that he'll be shot at school. We send troops around the world to stamp out trouble, but we don't protect our own children. What about their American dreams? We must do everything we can to provide the best imaginable schools for our kids. A good friend of mine, Richard Kahan, has been working at developing new programs combining business with schools in New York. His program is training kids for real jobs in the contemporary marketplace. He points out that there is a $50 billion need to rebuild schools because all across the nation, school buildings are deteriorating. Newly built schools can't be opened because of code violations. When kids go into buildings that are falling apart, they get the picture. If these buildings are neglected, our education can't be really important. In fact, to adults, we're not important. Kids today should be given what kids got in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and more. We should build schools that are attractive, that have adequate labs and computer facilities. I'm a builder. I know how to work with or against bureaucracies. Richard Kahan is encouraging me to propose a massive rebuilding of the nation's schools. And how would we pay for it, I ask. Richard says we could come up with $50 billion if we pulled our troops out of Europe. We can protect Europe with our nuclear arsenal and use those funds for schools. My personal belief is that government can't handle a project of this size and complexity. But if you put together an alliance with labor and government systemic, systematically doing away with government red tape, then maybe it will work out. I'm thinking about it. It's like we definitely need to protect our students. Um. Another big social issue I want to talk about is crime. Here's an area where strong leadership can change dark into light. I'm still having a hard time believing how safe New York has become, and it didn't get that that way by accident. There's that dark into light. Yeah, Yeah, I caught that too. It's pretty deep. Yeah, get that way by accident. Mayor Giuliani has proved that common sense policies backed up with a willingness to crack heads makes life better for everyone except the criminals. A lot of experts hounded Giuliani every step of the way, but he hung tough, hired some strong commissioners, and now people come to New York to feel safe, to actually get away from their smaller towns where criminals are still running wild. 
And yep, 20 years ago. <laughs> done, the, done the flip-flop. The worm has turned. Yeah, it has. If I were in charge of things, life would be even tougher for these predators. If there was a situation in New York like that terrible dragging death in Texas, I'd not only put the perpetrators to death, I'd find some way to make them an example to others. Oh, remember the dragging death no. in Texas? What happened? What happened? When, when those, uh, I think there was four, like, I don't know, rednecks gra- grabbed that black man. I forget what his name was. Uh, but they dragged him behind the truck and he died. Jeez. You know? But there he is calling them scumbags. You know? Yeah. I'd put those perpetrators to death. You know, if he was so racist, he wouldn't care. You know, no. he wouldn't even have mentioned it. Yeah. But if you're not tough on crime, then you're an enemy of the American dream. These people who get hurt by the hurt the most by crime aren't living in skyscrapers. They are for the most part living in poor neighborhoods. Crime keeps them from grabbing their part of the American dream. Mm. And he says, I have my eye on taxes and spending also. In my business, strict accounting can spell the difference between profit and loss. I have a lot of trouble with the way the government collects and handles our money. Hidden taxes <laughs> make me mad as hell, and I'm not the only person who's had an objection. Yeah, who's had an objection to cost overruns. Most of all, I object to the fact that this country is crippled economically by our national debt. I have a plan to pay off the national debt entirely, cut taxes on the middle class, repeal the inheritance tax, and save Social Security. It's a bold but realistic plan that can work, but no conventional politician would have the guts to propose it. You can read about it in Chapter 6. And I've got some things to say about cleaning up politics, health care, and other concerns of mine. If you want straight talk, you're at the right address. <laughs> I mean, he just, this is the introduction. It's almost like he, he never changed. No, it's like he's been the same yeah. since day one. Um, he's right about North Korea, too. I mean, they spend all this money while people are starving, living in darkness. They ain't going <laughs> to. Why are they not going to use this stuff? Exactly. And if they're a puppet of China, why wouldn't China help them out in doing it? Which they probably have been, right. you know, behind the yeah. scenes. So there we are. Oh, uh, here you go. Several years ago, John O'Donnell, who worked for me briefly and whom I fired, wrote a supposedly tell-all book in which he alleged that I made disparaging remarks about blacks and Jews. This was a malicious attempt to smear me. So even back then, you know. Anyone who really knows me knows that I hate intolerance and bigotry. My longtime involvement in promoting some of the biggest boxing events in history has allowed me to become friends with men like Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Through them and through more recent friendships with Puffy Combs, <laughs> Sammy Sosa, he was, he was Puffy back then, um, Sammy Sosa and others, I've had the chance to learn firsthand about the diversity of American culture and it has left me with little appetite for those who hate or preach intolerance. One of our next president's most important goals must be to induce a greater tolerance for diversity. The senseless murder of Matthew Shepard in Wyoming, where an innocent boy was killed because of his sexual orientation, turned my stomach. We must work towards an America where these kinds of hate crimes are unthinkable. There are some issues I don't want to say much about. I support a woman's right to choose, for example, but I am uncomfortable with the procedures. When Tim Russert asked me on Meet the Press if I would ban partial birth abortion if I were president, my choice instincts led me to say no. 
After the show, I consulted two doctors I respect, and upon learning more about this procedure, I've concluded that I would indeed support a ban. I have nothing to lose by expressing my opinions. There's nobody I have to please. I'm not counting on the financial support of anybody. Trump has one financial backer. That's Trump. Compare what I say with what your candidate is saying, then decide whom you can trust. Some people are going to say, who is Donald Trump to talk about these big issues? What's his background? It's true. In my family, we talked about real estate, not politics. But volunteering talents, being a good citizen, has always been important to the Trump family. The charity work of my father, brother, and sister-in-law, and the judicial work of my sister all point to that. We benefited from the American dream, and we feel the duty to give back to the community. Those who don't are nothing more than parasites. When you look at who gives the largest proportion of their earnings to charity, it's often people at the lower end of the economic ladder. They've got a lesson to teach all of us. They're keeping the American dream alive, and we're going to need them in tough times. It's true that I'm a real estate guy, but as a private citizen, I have the right to be heard. Let me tell you where, literally, I'm coming from. Let me stop you there. I'm almost certain I'll bet put $5 on it that uh, a poll was taken. It was found that the country that gives the least amount of money to charity is, guess who? America. No. Nice. The least amount of money oh, to least. charity. The country? The country. China? Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah, so, man. I mean, the dude's talking straight from everything that he ran on. And everything that he's been trying to do, you know, it's just incredible. Um, let me skip through this because I don't need to read all this. I'm trying to see what's political. It's like, what makes the political pros and Washington insiders believe that they have an edge on the truth? Think for a second about what the entire political world was obsessing over throughout 1998 and part of 1999. Monica. <laughs> I think the national consciousness has been deeply scarred. Americans have been drained of their spirit by the entire Clinton-Lewinsky impeachment fiasco. I think the voters want both Clintons off stage and want to put the whole sordid mess behind us. That's what they mean by Clinton fatigue. When confronted with the Lewinsky matter, Clinton should have stoutly refused to discuss his private life. He should also have declined to answer rather than perjure himself. If the Clinton affair proves anything, it is that the American people don't care about the private lives and personal affairs of our political leaders so long as they are doing the job. I got a chuckle out of the moralists in Congress and in the media who expressed public outrage at the president's immoral behavior. I happen to know that one U.S. senator leading the pack of attackers spent more than a few nights with his 20-something girlfriend at a hotel I own. <laughs> there's also, see, there's somebody else that knows a lot, you know. That, that, that that's why they fear him you know there's also a conservative columnist married who was particularly tough or rough on clinton in this regard he has brought his girlfriend to my resorts for the weekend their hypocrisy is amazing he's like i'm not worried about whether or not the intellectual journalistic political establishment thinks i've got the stuff to talk about saving the american dream i believe in the american dream my business experience shows me that it works. I want to do everything possible to see the regular Americans can enjoy the same opportunity for success and security that I have had. That means the American dream, unencumbered by a bureaucratic ineptitude, government regulation, 
confiscatory tax policies, racism, discrimination against women, or discrimination against people based on sexual orientation. We must all have equal access to the American dream. It's a dream we deserve and a dream worth fighting for. I mean, look how the media has made this guy out to be. He said he spills his heart right he here. He used to hang out at Club 54 or, or whatever. Studio 54? Studio 54. Did he? And so he was around all the weirdos. Yeah. He was I, around all the drag queens of New York and you know what I mean? So he was friends with all those people back then. Um, and he's right. I agree. But at the same time, don't get big corporate money to push a gay lifestyle down my throat <laughs> like and i'm sorry to i'm, I'm going off there on a uh, down a pig well, what are you talking about uh corporate who's like getting, giving well look at money. the way they fund the lgbt look at the way they put it in our schools okay but i mean you that's know, not him i understand that yeah that's yeah. what i'm saying okay know. i mean we should but i agree we should all be like more open-minded and supportive to you know, tolerant, like the left claims they are, you know, to everybody but us that don't believe in, you know. Um, there is some other stuff I wanted to cover, but, I mean, that's the main the main crux of the That was book. a lot of information just in that uh, introduction because we've already almost hit, I think, one hour. Yeah. Well. Let's talk about let's, China. Let's find some juicy parts of China yeah, let me get to what he said about China. Foreign policy we, we deserve. It was in here in this chapter. Where the hell? I mean, it's amazing, too, what he talks about in the, in the, safe, the safe streets we deserve. Um, I mean, talking about what we're dealing with today, you know, in the streets. Okay. Here's in, in the foreign policy we deserve, he talks about China. This is his suggestion. How to take on China. Our biggest long-term challenge will be China. Once again, written 20 years ago. And that's when we yeah. they got into the WTO. Yeah, World Trade Organization. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Obviously, China isn't the miserable place it was under Chairman Mao. But the massacre at Tiananmen Square was only 10 years ago. And despite the world's outrage, the Chinese people still have few political rights to speak of. China is a different place today, and we should all be grateful for that. The Chinese people certainly are. Chinese government leaders, though they concede little, desperately want us to invest in their country. Though we have the upper hand, we're way too eager to please the Chinese. We see them as a potential market. We tend to curry favor with them even at the expense of our own national interests. Our China policy under Presidents Clinton and Bush Sr. has been aimed at changing the Chinese regime by incentives, both economic and political. The intention has been good, but it's clear to me that the Chinese have been getting far too easy a ride. For years now, American CEOs have been jetting back and forth to Beijing, bearing the good news of expanded trade and economic reform. I've been throughout Asia, and even a few years ago, among a number of other powerful economies, China seemed particularly impressive, showing signs of tremendous growth and potential. So it's understandable that businessmen 
came back from China aglow with dreams. One billion plus people would be a huge consumer market. Investment in China is a risky business, however. Spending and saving patterns are not anything like they are here. Personal income is low. I'm not going to be opening a hotel there anytime soon, but maybe someday it could happen. Despite the opportunity, I think we need to take a much harder look at China. There are major problems that too many at the highest reaches of business want to overlook. There is, as I mentioned, the human rights situation. The Clinton administration, which does not make a practice of lashing China, nevertheless reports that China continues to commit widespread and well-documented human rights abuses in violation of internationally accepted norms stemming from the authorities' intolerance of dissent, fear of unrest, and the abuse of laws protecting basic freedoms. The Constitution and laws provide for fundamental human rights, but they are often ignored in practice. Abuses included torture and mistreatment of prisoners, forced confessions, arbitrary and lengthy incommunicado detention. Prison conditions remain harsh. The government continues severe restrictions on freedom of speech, the press, assembly, association, religion, privacy, and workers' rights. All public dissent against the party and government was effectively silenced by intimidation, exile, the imposition of prison terms, administrative detention, or house arrest. This was 20 years ago. They're still living under this, and it's gotten worse under this whole COVID scam pandemic. This government must not have gotten the word that capitalism has triumphed over oppressive communism and that people just don't act this way anymore. So why am I concerned about political rights? I'm a good businessman and I can be amazingly unsentimental when I need to be. I also recognize that when it comes down to it, we can't do much to change a major nation's internal policies. Maybe I should do what regular politicians do and overlook principles, ignore human rights, and hope for the best. After all, I do believe that the best thing we can do for back wait can do for backward oppressive nations is to pull them into the trade matrix. Where I break rank with my business colleagues and foreign policy gurus is in my willingness to shrug off the mistreatment of China's citizens by their own government. My reason is simple. These oppressive policies make it clear that China's current government has contempt for our way of life. It fears freedom because it knows its survival depend on, depends on oppression. It does not respect individual rights. It is still at heart a collectivist society. As such, it is a destabilizing force in the world and should be viewed that way. We want to trade with China because of the size of its consumer market, but if the regime continues to repress individual freedoms, how many consumers will there really be? Isn't it inconsistent to compromise our principles by negotiating trade with a country that may not want and cannot afford our goods? So, I mean, he goes on about... Well, they yeah, go could ahead. not afford them or not want them. They just stole them, replicated it, and then uh, replaced our company with a cheaper version where they didn't have to spend the the money on R&D, you know? Oh, yeah, And then yeah. they put all these American and other businesses around the world out of business. Yeah, that... Um it was quite a trap they put, they put, if that's what they were planning on doing the whole time, if you think about it. They yeah, knew I that, remember hearing about... Yeah, they knew, like, everybody wanted to come in because they wanted to tap into their one-point-something-billion amount of people, you know, consumer market. 
And so they, you know, they put into the little fine details that we would take this intellectual property and that and this and. Yeah, I mean, and they've been doing it from their embassies here yeah. and, and got infiltrated the colleges. I remember back when I was uh, still in the in the military, back under Clinton. I remember there was a big to do about he had let a bunch of Chinese military officers. You know, he gave them a tour or something on one of our submarines or something like that and everybody's like wait a minute you know they shouldn't be seeing what kind of systems we have it's top secret clearance for that stuff but there they were back then selling us out mm -hmm. you know making their own side deals said the clinton administration like the bush administration before it follows a policy of constructive engagement with china when china disappoints expectations and ignores lofty lectures we issue a few condemnations hammer out some meaningless resolution at the un if we can get it by china's un delegation and call upon them to comport themselves like citizens of the community of nations then we get back down to business as if nothing had happened how is this policy working it isn't china has been helping itself to top secret american technology spying on the american military <laughs> <laughs> supplying yeah. nuclear technology to american enemies like iran and iraq threatening american allies like south korea and taiwan breaking one agreement after another from arms control to copyright protection compromising america's political campaign laws flooding American markets with cheap goods produced by forced labor and pouring $80 billion a year into a world-class military machine that includes nuclear missiles aimed at America. Mm. Sure, we can trust them. <laughs> Let's look at this very real and almost totally undiscussed military threat. As any military thinker, what country in the world poses the greatest long-term danger to its neighbors or to America? Ask them what country is arming the fastest and spending the most on its military. Ask them what country is closest to America and its nuclear capability. The answer to all three questions is the People's Republic of China. I recently read the annual assessment of foreign military threats published by our own Office of Naval Intelligence. This information is more... This information... This is information more Americans need to be familiar with. In this particular assessment, Iraq, North Korea, and Lib Libya are mentioned almost as an afterthought. Advanced tactical aircraft, aircraft carriers, and destroyers, surface-to-air missiles, nuclear submarines, you name it, and the Chinese are building it. Why? What neighbor of China poses the least threat to its security? Burma, Malaysia, Singapore? There is no getting around the conclusion that China is building a massive offensive force well beyond any reasonable regional threat. Here's something else to keep in mind. When President Clinton went to Beijing in 1998, the Chinese regime made a big show of announcing that the 13-odd intercontinental missiles it had aimed at the United States would be retargeted elsewhere. The Clinton administration held this out as some sort of big diplomatic triumph. It raised, in my mind, a simple enough question. Why were those missiles aimed at us in the first place? I mean, oh, wait, oh, here's another thing. And, and one more question. Where did they get all the technology to do this? The answer is they got it from us. As I write this, we have just learned that China had a spy planted at Los Alamos. Remember that? Remember that yeah. in the news? Yeah, yeah, yeah. FBI agents found 50 years worth of U.S. nuclear secrets squirreled away in the spy's computer. 
We don't know yet how much of this information he had managed to pass along to China, but it looks grim. Our strategic partner has fleeced us. It's always this way with China. We give the Chinese regime everything they ask for in trade, technology, market ac access, and cash reserves. And what we hold back, they steal anyway. In exchange, a relatively few American corporations like Boeing, Hughes, and McDonnell Douglas get to compete with Airbus industry and other European corporations. But when, when it's time for the average, but what's in it for the average American? Nothing, especially when our security is threatened. I mean, he's been going off on China 20 years ago. He saw yeah. this, you know, it's freaking incredible. Um, Amy, he keeps talking about the Chinese threat. And um, let's make money in China. Let's do it the smart way. So, yeah, he goes out, you know, talks about the Chinese threat, talks about how we've let so much go to the wayside. We turned a blind eye to. <coughs> and uh, and then he goes, okay, China is our big, biggest long-term challenge but in the short term the biggest menace is north korea north korea exports exactly one thing to the rest of the world trouble just about anywhere america is threatened by terrorists by the spread of a nuclear weapons and missile technology you name it we can count on the folks in Pyongyang to have a hand in it this is no secret so you have no wonder why our policy towards north korea is so weak-minded this is an example of our inability to come up with reasonable policies, even when we know exactly where the potential threat is. We know that our adversaries in North Korea are making weapons of mass destruction. We also know that they will use them, if possible, because they detest everything about us. So what do we do? We blink. In fact, we blink so much it looks as though we're asleep. President Clinton has rightly taken some heat on this, but let's be honest, most of our political leadership shares the blame because, as usual, most of our politicians and pundits are too busy looking at the rainbow next to the dark clouds moving in. <laughs> After we discovered that North Korea was working overtime to build an arsenal of nuclear weapons, Washington demanded North Koreans allow an inspection of a reprocessing facility by officials of the International Atomic Energy Agency. Remember, this is the remaining superpower telling North Korea, North Korea, which is weak, starving, and isolated, to let an international body inspect a suspicious facility. North Korea's response, no way. They finally agreed to what was called the Agreed Framework, which they signed October 21st, 1994. It was immediately hailed by the Clinton administration as diplomacy at its best. But you be the judge. We promised them two nuclear reactors at $4 billion each, up to 500,000 metric tons of fuel, oil, a year until the reactors came online, and food for, me, for North Korea's masses. In return, North Korea, which is probably the last truly Stalinist regime on Earth, promised to halt construction of two Soviet-type reactors, suspend refueling its existing reactor and allow inspection of spent fuel rods which can be used to make nuclear weapons north korea knew that we were bluffing to no one's surprise a u.s satellite later found that a large underground complex was being built near the existing 
nuclear center. I mean, this is how we handled North Korea. What did he do when he came in? There's so I much remember years ago about. with MySpace when that was around and then Facebook and hearing, you know, just do all the Google searches on Clinton and China. Yeah. And there were like over two million of them, two million stories, how intimately the Clintons were involved with that whole process. And, you know, and then probably when Obama and Biden jumped in and yeah, they Hillary here was like, hey, they, like, they joined know? the party, you know, well, let me let me introduce you. So, you know, he talks about all our poor foreign policy choices and how weak we've been. Our politicians have been. They're getting their palms greased and leaving us sitting here, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so much more in this book, not just foreign policy, not just, you know, Ever, ever, you know the the chapter on the schools his his plans for the schools is great his his keeping our streets i just people need to freaking read this book i can't sit here and read the whole thing to them <laughs> but uh and nobody wants to hear me do that either you know but uh give the title of the book again and maybe we can find more parts to talk about on the next boondoggle all right, yeah, because there's a good good stuff in the economic. Found it very boom. interesting. Yeah, uh, Trump, the America we deserve, with Dave Shiflet. Uh, Dave was probably mostly the the main writer. Yeah. Um, but this is you know, Trump speaking his plans. Here's the back of the. I'll read the back of the book real quick. The America we deserve. Any political leader who won't face the future head on is putting the American dream at risk. That dream has made this the best country in history. It's a dream my father and mother dreamed, the one that they made come true for our family. It's one that took me to the top. When you mess with the American dream, you're on the fighting side of Trump. Oh, wasn't that in their introduction also? Yeah, but still. Like, yeah. I'm not worried about whether or not the intellectual, journalistic, political establishment thinks I've got the stuff to talk about saving the American dream. I believe in the American dream. My business experiences shows me that it works and I want to do everything possible to see that regular Americans can enjoy the same opportunities for success and security that I have had. That means the American dream unencumbered by bureaucratic ineptitude, government regulation, confiscatory tax policies, racism, discrimination against women or discrimination against people based on sexual orientation. We must all have equal access to the American dream. It's a dream we deserve and a dream worth fighting for. Now, you know, I'm sure a lot of the liberals will just blow this off. Oh, that's just a bunch of talk. You know, this was written over 20 years ago. You know, this guy has stayed on target. Why are people so brainwashed by Operation Mockingbirds? Obviously a success. Yeah. Because we were talking about some of our mutual friends this past weekend. You know, how are so diehard into, isn't this what you want especially that bottom paragraph where everybody has an opportunity at the american dream no matter gender sex race isn't that what you claim you're fighting for you know half these people but they're just dude take an opportunity get this book read this book go up to your library see if they have it if you don't want to spend money i'm not giving any money to donald trump you know people need to really wake up because we got a lot of people that 
we know that I consider to be intelligent people, but they're definitely lacking discernment. They're caught in, in this emotional whatever right now, you know? The country's on edge. Everybody's fear acting out of fear and emotions. And uh, I don't know. Anything you wanted to add to this? Send our children to war and send our jobs to China. Yeah. That's they're what fu- they've done. That's what these people have done for and the that's past. that's what I have the hardest time understanding all <coughs> these friends of ours that have seen They've seen everything happen. I mean, I, I, I had a hard time in 2008 and 2010 with work. I mean, work dried up. Yeah. Um, everybody became heroin addicts. Yeah. People, people lost their homes. How many people we know have, have, have right. relapsed or lost their lives to drugs right. and addiction? And Melania's in there bringing this to light, too, and fighting for that. Yeah. Those and, causes. and they, you know, and then with the Iraq <clears throat> war and... The weapons of mass destruction and uh, the whole 9-11 thing should make someone who isn't a conspiracy theorist scratch their head. You know, yeah. two, three million innocents dead during the whole time we occupied Iraq, you know. Like all that money that disappeared out of the Pentagon the day yeah. before 9-11. You know, you know? And, and they still... You know, I was thinking, too, like I remember um, due to my investments and what we were learning in our law classes, I used to listen to a lot of Obama speeching, just hope as speeches, just hoping I could glean some little hint or clue like like, you know, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And I do that with Trump, too. So it's like for the Atlantic to come out and say that Trump said that about the uh Fallen heroes. Yeah. There's no sources, way. quote unquote sources. Yeah, there's no way he would have you opened, s- even in private, even drunk, he would have never said that. Yeah. And and we, as did, I just read, he doesn't he even did, drink he coffee. Making, he was trying to make a whole nother point about how the wars up, up in, the, all the wars have been commercial. Yeah. There's always been a profit motive behind it. Yeah. He. Yeah. Un- unknown sources or unverified sources is what they use. And that's what we're going on by there. I mean, it's just, uh, man, I, I like you, you, like you've said before in the past, um, don't judge people by what they say, judge them by what they do. Yeah. You know, well, Obama was very eloquent speaker, very well-spoken, yeah. hypnotizing almost yeah. cult-like, mm-hmm. you know, I used to love hearing him speak after, you know, eight years of George W. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I and I and I bought into the promises he was gonna feed us, just like he fed a lot of the African American community. You know? It's just uh but what did they do? What did their policies do? What did everything you know I just hope and pray that our friends, people out there, start paying attention. Start waking up and, uh, you know, pray for some discernment, man. Start seeing something through a different lens because I think that uh, if Biden wins, we're going to go through a whole nother 2008, 2010, but it's going to be worse. And there's going to be more heroin addicts. There's going to be more people losing their homes, more people losing their homes, yeah. more people losing their lives. That would be the great calling, you know, which is already what they're pushing for. You know, I, if, if, if Biden wins, I, our country's done and i fear for 
you know, I, definitely our children, you know, just people having kids right now, man, wanting to experience that life. I, I, I fear for them, you know, uh, and another thing real quick before we get off, you know, how about all these, um, you keep reading about it all the time, how many kids they're discovering and finding two home. here on the west side of Cleveland, what, like three or four days ago? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the, the mass amounts of children that they're rescuing that were being trafficked, you know, all of a sudden there's all these raids and busts happening. You know, I mean, it's been, I mean, I heard about it from a friend of mine in Homeland Security when Trump first took office that there was going to be more, you know, Homeland or that human trafficking was going to be a big issue that they're going to start nailing people. And lo and behold, it's been happening. But how many big mass groups of kids have been being rescued since they've had Ghislaine Maxwell? Mm. Think she's singing? You know? I don't know. But, uh, and and people, and it's not making the news. It doesn't make the, I mean, it barely is a snippet on the mainstream media, mm. you know? So that's the other thing I got to ask people out there. You know, I mean, we say that children are our future, like he said in there about his policy on the schools and everything. Uh, but we don't treat them as the future. You know, if anybody is committing crimes against children. And there's a guy out there bringing this to light and trying to save these kids, but you don't like him because of things he said in the past. What the hell is wrong with you? You know, that you're willing to. I don't know, man. You need to, you guys need to take some time, meditate, pray, get find your center. Yeah, things you were told that he said. Yeah. You never stopped to listen to the whole speech. Yeah. Nobody that's posting that shit listens to, gets the notifications from Golden State Times or whoever you get it from that the Trump's about yeah. to make. Trump's One about American to make News Network. Speech. Yeah. Yeah. They don't listen to They don't that watch shit. the whole thing. No. They just get the snippets. and Right. You know, because, they, I mean, these people are so like... Just the mere mention of his name, they start shaking. You know, they're not willing. When you're in that much of a fear-based emotional state, you're not willing to listen, you know? And that's why I'm glad we prayed at the beginning of this, too, yeah. because to try and center ourselves. But, uh, all right, we've gone over an hour, and uh, um, I don't know. We've covered a lot. There's so much more in this book. We can do another episode, you know, with, with future stuff. But uh, anything else you want to say on the way out? No, uh, that's about it. You know, I'm just uh, just worried, you know, praying for the best. We yep. were watching a video, uh, Jericho Green. He's kind of like a popular YouTube guy, black yeah, dude, yeah. really yeah. conservative from California. And I love his colorable language and... Um, he had a lot of good things to say, but there was something. One reason why I brought it up. Um, brought He's talking up. about the California p people. Yeah, but Trump uh, supporters. He said, "You know, I mean, th this house of mine that we're doing. Well, it's technically still not my house. It's the bank's house. Yeah, you know. But this house. But that this we're is where doing, you live. This is all I have. Yeah, and." Okay, uh, people say, well, get ready to bug out. Well, what if I'm driving down the road bugging out, leaving the terrorism, leaving all the mayhem that may or may not be coming my way, you know? Yeah. To what, at what point do I would I leave? You know, would I leave when I hear there's things happening in Cleveland coming my way? Would I leave uh, as they're maybe 10, 15 blocks away? 
Um, would I leave when they're a block away? Would I leave when they're on my street? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then I try to, I try to like, like if I try to bug out to Frank's house. Yeah. Um, then I get in the car. Who's to say I don't make it a mile down the road. Exactly. Who's to say there's not a roadblock out there, not letting anybody into that County. Yeah. From everybody fleeing from Cleveland. You know, so it's like the point I've been trying to make. It's, this is all I got. Where else am I going to go? So it's like this is your Alamo, man. Yeah, it's your last it's like stand. What he said, it's like, you know, if you're going to do all that, what Jericho Green said, he says, if you're going to do all this mayhem and looting and burning, keep it in the city. But the minute you come to my neighborhood, prepare for war. Yeah. And I believe that's, a you know, for a small street like this, there's, I'd say about a third of the houses on the street have an American flag on it. Yeah. That makes me a somewhat hopeful. And you got re- good relations with most of your neighbors. Right. And the neighbor too. two or three doors down, like he watches X-22 report. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I mean, it's almost, you know, especially now, you know, it's all, it's all not a bad idea to, you know, start talking about the what ifs. Yeah. And how are we going to have each other's backs? Well, um, you know? a few weeks ago. Form your I own, out, like, neighborhood or street I went out and militia. I got a 78... 40 watt 7800 watt uh generator yeah it's in my neighbor's garage because i didn't want to put it in my garage with all the work i'm doing i keep forgetting i left it over there but uh you know to at least power my fridge yeah at least yeah you know i can i'll read books to entertain myself yeah i've got plenty of books too you know and my kids would just fucking lose their minds because... Or charge my phone. Yeah. By that time, Starlink and the 5G will be hooked up. <laughs> Hope so. Yeah. But those are all uh, other topics. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Well, I say we wrap this up. Um, you know, once again, don't forget, uh, today's boondoggle.com. You can go there for past episodes. Check us check us out. Um, we're on every podcast uh platform you can find us today's boondoggle and send us an email questions topics uh suggestions man are we going to be excited when we get our first question yeah, yeah so far i i all have i've we got, gotten any questions all i've seen so far is a bunch of people that, that that say uh um hey we we can help market you on whatever yeah, you know right. all that spam yeah. or whatever business spam but anyway today's boondoggle at gmail.com is the email All right, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, see you later, virtual audience. Hello, and thanks for listening to today's Boondoggle. And now, for your listening pleasure, Florence Whitingale presents his latest epoch. Maybe it's the calm before the storm.
dark web Dreaming of making out with him somewhere Bye-bye Yeah, and uh, grabbed him. He went 
behind the tent, and that guy was a what third class or second class. When he come back around, he was a fucking seaman. Didn't you say the XO was standing right behind yeah, the guy? Yeah. He no, he was standing in front of us. Yeah. The CO was trying to talk, and you know, he's people think it's. Some young kid in the back I, I yelled out, fuck the XO. Yeah. Man. And then that, that's that, just that, dumb. That's that stupid. Field, that's that field just ca caught the eye of whoever said it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it struck a lightning bolt right down, <laughs> right down the center of the road. And that everybody opens up, and this guy's like, his bowels just let go. Yeah, it's like, you. He just shit himself, pissed himself. By the time he left there and got here, he lost all his stripes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another story time from the VFW Hall, brought to you by Today's Boondogger. for listening once again to today's boondoggle radio show please check out our website domaincle.com and todaysboondoggle.com be sure to follow us on social media at today's boondoggle on facebook instagram youtube and twitter for more information about this podcast support us on www.anchor.fm forward slash today's boondoggle as well as on gofundme be sure to subscribe comment download and listen to us on spotify apple Podcasts, google play spreaker and all the other podcast platforms please email us with questions suggestions and comments via today's boondoggle at gmail.com please leave us comments and five-star reviews. Thanks once again for listening to today's Boondoggle Radio Show. Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated entertainment cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news, entertainment information and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for tuning into the show here at Domain Cleveland.